Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. Corporations are breaking their silence on Georgia's new voting laws. Plus, some news about Mars and why space journalists hate today, the 1st of April. But first, our one big thing. Opening day brings fans back to the stands. It's opening day in America, and as always, hope springs eternal. But this year, hope isn't just for your favorite baseball team, but for the return to normal. Stadiums around the country are letting fans back in, some for the first time since the pandemic began. Jeff Tracy is Axios' sports reporter. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Nyla. So, Jeff, it's opening day. All the ballparks are going to let fans in the stands. At what capacity restrictions? Uh, Yeah, it's going to be different from ballpark to ballpark. It's as low as 12% for the Red Sox and as high, actually, if you could believe it, as 100% in Texas for the Rangers. What do we know about how comfortable baseball fans are feeling about going back into stadiums? Pretty comfortable. I think, you know, spring is in the air and baseball is coming back. There was a poll from The Washington Post, actually, that showed that 66% of fans are pretty comfortable about going to an outdoor sport like baseball. It goes down to 32% for uh, indoors like basketball, but the rate of vaccinations is just going up pretty fast. And uh, 64% of those who've received the vaccine are also comfortable. So I think once spring turns into summer and that rate goes even higher, the comfort level will as well. How are the teams handling COVID when we think about players? There's certainly restrictions just like last year, masks in the dugout and limited activities outside of the game. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of bad news on that front just yesterday as the Nationals had one player return a positive test and three others were close contacts and all of them will miss today's game. But there's also some good news there. The Cardinals actually just became the first team to reach 85% threshold of vaccinations. And that means that they're eligible for looser restrictions per the MLB's protocols. So once they reach two weeks post getting that 85%, uh, they you know won't have to wear masks in the dugout and it'll just be a little bit looser for them. Well, speaking of those teams, we should talk about the actual sport. Who's got the best shot to win the World Series? It's chalk to say this, but it's the Dodgers. They are the overwhelming favorite to repeat. They just look too strong. And who's your underdog team to watch? I really like the Blue Jays. They need a little bit more pitching help, but they have a really, really talented young core of batters. And it's actually a a pretty fun fact. Four of their starting position players are sons of former big leaguers. So that's a fun story to follow as well. And who's the worst? Well, you know, there's definitely a few that are uh, not going to be having the greatest seasons, but there's four teams actually projected to win fewer than 70 games, and that's the Orioles, Pirates, Rockies, and Tigers. So it could be long summers in those cities. Boy, we're going to be hearing from all of those people, too. Jeff Tracy is Axios' sports reporter. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks so much. We'll be back in 15 seconds with Corporate America's new stance on voting rights. Welcome back to Axios Today. It's been exactly a week since Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a slate of new controversial voting laws, and major corporations and CEOs in the past 24 hours are starting to speak out against it. Axios Markets reporter Courtney Brown has been tracking the reaction. Courtney, this law passed the state's house a month ago, but in the past 24 hours, things have moved very quickly here in corporate America. Why is that? Right. The floodgates are really open. It looks like it was 
pushed forward by an open letter signed by over 70 Black executives led by the former CEO of Amex, the current CEO of Merck, two very powerful Black men in corporate America, calling on their peers in a way that's really unprecedented to say something and do something as it relates to legislation popping up across the country that would curb voting access. And what specifically did they want them to say about these new laws in Georgia? Say something, anything. Don't stay silent. We're in this era where CEOs are more outspoken because their consumers want them to be, their employees want them to be. And so in this era, when you don't say something, the silence is deafening. Courtney, is there any expectation that companies will do something beyond simply issuing press releases? This is the big question. You know, the law in Georgia, which is a sweeping elections bill, placing restrictions on, like, absentee voting. It's cutting back when you can vote on the weekend, which is critical for people, particularly lower-income workers, workers of color who may only be able to vote on the weekend. I think the big question is, do corporations move beyond words as these types of laws begin to pop up in other states across the country. Are we seeing this spread to companies that aren't headquartered in Georgia? What I thought was so interesting was that you were seeing statements from companies that aren't headquartered in Georgia the way that Delta and Home Depot are, but companies like Microsoft, in their statement, they led with the fact that they just decided to invest substantially in Atlanta and and hire workers. And I, I thought that was so interesting that they called that out at the very top of their statement condemning this law. Courtney Brown writes the Axios Closer newsletter. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks, Nyla. Scientists are starting to answer some big questions about Mars. Recent data found that ancient water on Mars was absorbed into the ground instead of getting lost in space as previously thought. Axios' space reporter Miriam Kramer is here to explain why scientists find this moment so exciting. It's helpful to get sort of the answers to these big questions because scientists have long wondered if Mars at one point played host to life. And all of these questions, where did Mars's water go? Why do its rocks look the way that they do? Play into that question. So at the moment, we have reached sort of this interesting point where you have a ton of different spacecraft in orbit, and you have quite a few on the ground, and it's just sending all of this data back to Earth every day, every week that scientists are able to go over and see the planet in this more holistic way, kind of like how we're seeing it on Earth, albeit with a lot less data. So it's this sort of inflection point with Mars research where you don't have just one data point that you have to extrapolate a bunch of conclusions out from. You actually have a ton of data, and that can make it harder to find the right model, but it also makes it more exciting for the scientists that are working on it. Before we let you go, speaking of excitement, today is April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. Miriam, can you tell us why this is your least favorite holiday? April Fool's Day is the worst day of the year for space journalists. (laughs) A lot of the stuff that is on our beat already sounds a little bit fake, but it's that kind of stuff that gets sent out by companies who are like, oh, this is going to be really funny and fun, you know, like... Oh, we're going to build a a hotel on the moon. That was one that was sent on April Fool's Day some years ago. 
Like there are companies that are really trying to do things like that. So the line between reality and fiction is already like a little bit blurry for space reporters anyway. And then you add April Fool's Day on it and you have people that are literally lying to you. The idea that a company that I cover would lie to me about something and then expect me to cover them credulously the next day, like, no, (laughs) I won't do it. I won't take part in this. All right. I have no reason to say happy April Fool's Day to you. I will say have a great Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a good luck, fellow journalists. <laughs> Marion Kramer is Axios's space reporter. Thanks, Miriam. Thanks for having me. That's all we've got for you today, and I hope you are not the recipient of any bad April Fool's jokes. You can read your team at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter. My handle's Nyla Boodoo. By the way, for more analysis of President Biden's infrastructure plan, check out the most recent episode of Axios Recap. Host Dan Primack talked to Obama and Biden economic advisor Jaron Birdstein about the lessons learned in 2009 that shaped the current $2 trillion proposal. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. 